the financial picture for ranchers this year and hopefully for a few more years is going to look a lot different than it has for a while. Let's make sure that we're using this money wisely to plan for the future. Mary Jo Ehrman, farm and ranch strategy expert and author, is back as a guest as she offers some strategy, considerations, and cautions on managing these potential profits. The banker is going to borrow you the money. The accountant is going to tell you to go buy it. But does the accountant and the banker, do they actually look out five to seven years to make sure that you can make that payment. We'll also discuss operating loans, which are now at a 20-year high for interest rate. The highest rate right now is our operating note. So it would just make sense to get rid of operating. There's no question we all want to take full advantage of the highs in this next cattle market cycle, but let's talk through this before we make any financial decisions that may come back to bite us down the road. That's on this episode of the Working Ranch Radio Show. Welcome you to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. It's good to have you tuned in and joining us here on our program today. It's going to be a great show. As you heard there in the opening, Mary Jo Ehrman is with us. She's author of the book Farming Without the Bank, as we talked with her about that on a previous show. She's back here today as we paint the financial situation for us as ranchers. And boy, I'll tell you what, with these calf prices where they have been throughout the summer and are continuing into this fall run, it is going to look a little bit different than it has for, for a few few years but there are also some caveats with that and that's really kind of the tone that we're getting at uh my my title of this today's show I, again not being a debbie downer that's not our intent in this it's just something to be aware of some things to be uh, thinking about throughout this process and not even in years that are profitable but also in other years as well just in general especially uh from a ranch perspective when we want to run it as a business so that's our guest here today mary joe Ehrman, of course meteorologist don Day will join us towards the tail end of the program with a look at our long-term weather, which for me is was helpful a little bit. Now I wasn't completely pleased with what he's telling me, but we were planning to wean calves this coming week. But it looks like we're going to see some wintry type conditions, and after the warm weather that we've had, I don't think I want to put any more stress on these calves than we have to by doing uh, not only the stress, some stress that they'll get a little bit with weaning, but then you throw in cold temperatures and moisture with that and that's just kind of a recipe for a, a disaster so i think we're going to hold off a week hopefully he'll give us a good forecast next week and we'll be able to get to wean in these calves and get uh, get a 45 day wean on them before we get them uh, shipped out the door to the next guy down the road in that so anyways that's kind of where a brief update of where we're at here on our on the x-ring ranch here in northeastern wyoming and for all of you out there i'm sure for for many of you if you've got calves already down the road some of you may be in the same boat as I am. Uh, nevertheless, we hope everything's going well with uh, fall work and the fall run for you as well and uh, getting things positioned ahead for the coming year of 2024. Boy, it's hard to think think that and I'm not trying to push the calendar forward by no means. I'd rather things kind of slow down a little bit, but nevertheless, we are indeed the last part of 2023. Well, before we get too far, I do want to thank our sponsors today of the Working Ranch Radio Show. Vitalix Livestock is 
is your livelihood. Tubs are our expertise. Vitalix, the true blue tub. Find out more at Vitalix.com. And Performance Beef. You can make decisions now based on data and not just a hunch. Cattle management software. It's easy to use and allows you to simplify feeding, performance, and health data recording. You can do it right there alongside the chute or maybe you're out in the pen or out in the pasture. Find out more about Performance Beef at Performance Livestock Analytics.com. And Tank Toad, your remote water monitoring system, all from the convenience of your phone, powered by solar, satellite, and cell. You can keep an eye on your water supply simply with a daily text message that shows up right there on your phone. Call Metal Arc Solutions today for tank monitors, well controllers, generators, and more. Give them a call at 801-252-6135, or you can find them on the web at tanktoad.com. And that's what we use here on the X-Ring Ranch. Let them know you heard it here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Well, typically this time of the show, the Captain Tim O'Byrne would be stopping in for this week's edition of Tim's Two Cents. However, he sent me a text earlier in the week. He said, you know, I'm going to take a few days off. He's headed and going to be visiting some cow country on a road trip in northern Arizona. In fact, he shot me a little bit of a picture here. All I can see is the setting sun, and it looks like uh, he's off here for a few days or so to take some time off. So with that in mind, uh, we wish him the best and safe travels. And of course, he'll be back next week for another edition of Tim's Two Cents. Well, stay with us. We're going to take a break here. And when we get back, we're going to jump right into our interview with Mary Jo Ehrman. She's our guest coming up after the break. This is the Working Ranch Radio Show. There are lots of nutrition tubs out there, but none can match the true blue commitment of Vitalix. Our tubs offer you the most concentrated nutrition at the lowest cost per day. That means more profit for your operation and improved performance for your cow herd. In fact, research shows Vitalix tubs increase feed efficiency by 20% while boosting conception rates, herd health, and weaning weights. Learn more at Vitalix.com. Vitalix, the true blue tub. And welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. Justin Mills here with you. My guest today, Mary Jo Ehrman, who is a farm and ranch strategy expert, also infinite baking concept uh, a consultant on that. Mary Jo, thanks for joining us here today on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, I, I thought it was interesting. I look back, we had you on before and it was episode 70. And ironically, this is episode 140. So, so, so I, I mean, if you're a math guy, you figured that out already that half of the show. I'll see you soon. Yeah. (laughs) So we're glad to have you joining us here back. We had you back in uh, episode 70, which was in May of 2022, where we talked about the book you wrote on farming without the bank and the title of that. I don't know if you remember, I said farming without the bank dot, dot, dot oxymoron. You know, and we got a lot of people listening to the show. And I think it's in folks, if you want to go back and listen to it, I would encourage you to go back and listen to that as well. But Mary Jo, I had you come on here today because I wanted to visit a little bit more about where we're at financially in our industry right now. There's a lot of different dynamics that are coming into effect. There's a lot of uh, from uh, high interest rates to now we got some record cattle prices out there. And there's just a lot of dynamics. Folks are going to be handling a lot more money this year than they have in in times past and i as i was talking to you before we went on air i guess i just feel it's really passion for me to to see that and help guys handle that money correctly 
and so that we don't get ourselves into situations. So that's kind of the, the key thing that I want to get here to today. One of the things, and this comes off of a podcast that you had recently released as well, just to get this started, is that as we head into this particular time frame, and I and it's even critical now, but it would be critical in any point in time if we're going to be looking at our farms or ranches from a business perspective, is that we really do need to know our break-even costs. And that's something you really were trying to get across in that recent podcast of yours Mm -hmm. yeah you have to first of all you need to know break even because how do you know if you're making a profit if you don't know your break even point and break even better be and like i said in the podcast um there's probably a lot of young people that listen to you and a lot of the millennials who are still helping dad in exchange for fuel or tractors or something like that You better put that expense in your books as an expense, because if dad dies tomorrow and you have to buy that tractor and you have to buy that fuel, now all of a sudden, what is your your true break even? So know your what I call your true break even know that. And then like this podcast, I think is super timely because what are we going to do with all these profits this year? You're going to end up, you know, most people are shipping cows or selling calves right now. And so what are you going to do? Go to the accountant and figure out what you have to buy between now and December so that you can write it off? Or do we need to spend those profits? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, all of that is a business decision, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Like all of it. What are you better plan for the bad years in the good years? And that's really where you're at right now in the cattle industry is we have a really, we have really high prices. And so with the profit, we should be using that profit to figure out what we're going to do when cattle prices drop, because we all know cattle prices are going to drop, Like they're not going to stay high forever. That would be nice if they did. I've never seen it happen. So I'm assuming that that's not going to happen. So let's make sure that we're using this money wisely to plan for the future. Mm-hmm. I, I might have jumped the gun a little bit by having you jump right into uh, break even in that discussion when we we're going to continue more on that. But I guess to back up just a little bit, paint the financial picture a bit. You did a, a little bit there as you were answering that question, but let's paint the financial picture because I know your concern a little bit with your podcast was boy, we don't want to go back to the 80s. We don't want to see that happen. So let's let's just maybe paint the picture of what we see with our ranching industry right now from a financial perspective. Yeah, the, my concern, and I'll catch heat from somebody, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I got big shoulders. My concern is that we are going to have a repeat of the 80s and we are going to have another farm crisis in two to three years, if we do not manage well what we are doing now. And the reason why is because in the business picture part of it, we have nine to anywhere. Well, and I'm seeing anywhere between seven to 10% operating notes. And there are usually, even right now, most of them are nine to 10. If I see seven, that's a great rate. Yeah. We have tractor notes, we have cattle notes, we have land notes, we have all of those notes. And if we continue to have 10% interest with cattle prices dropping and we did not prepare for that drop, we're going to see two to three years of high interest rates. We're going to see an 80s crisis. I truly believe it with the people that are borrowed to the hilt. So not everybody, 
but not everybody failed in the 80s either, mm-hmm. right? The people that managed their money in the 80s and they were not overborrowed, those people were still okay and they managed to survive. And I only know that because I've talked to several of them and I've said, how did you survive the 80s? Well, they didn't have loans on everything. They used a lot of cash. They had a lot of stuff paid off. And so I, there are people that agree with me and there are people that don't agree with me because they're like, oh, it's different this time. You know, we have crop insurance. We have insurance for this. We have insurance for that. Okay, you can have all the insurance you want, but are we buying the right insurance? Can we even afford to buy the insurance if cattle prices drop and loans are 10% interest? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I still think that regardless of yeah, I can I can validate and and for those that say well things are a little bit different than they were in the eighties we've got some uh, insurance options that are out there I I can I can see that to a point but that still doesn't erase the fact that if you have a lot of loans out on different things for example one of the things that as we were talking before we went on air I got myself in a pickle in the last time the market went up buying cattle. And from that point on, I've rarely seldom bought cattle. I found another way to take in cattle and do something differently. But one of the things that was the concern is that you buy and you start putting a lot of capital expenses in items that might take five, seven, ten years to pay out. And that's a, a kind of what you're talking about here. That's that's the catch in this whole deal. Right. Is if you buy a, if cattle prices are high and now you go to the bank, and you borrow money for a tractor, you have set five to seven years to pay that tractor off, but cattle prices were low for three of those five years. How are we going to make the tractor payment? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And I had people in 14 and 15 when cattle prices were high, I had clients that were building their dream barns. And then all of a sudden they didn't know when the cattle prices dropped, they didn't know how they were going to pay for the dream barn anymore because they expected cattle prices to stay high. Mm -hmm. And I always say this, the banker is going to borrow you the money. The accountant is going to tell you to go buy it. But does the accountant and the banker, do they actually look out five to seven years to make sure that you can make that payment when the cattle prices drop? If interest rates stay high, we have to look at worst case scenario going forward We can't just think that it's always going to be sunshine and rainbows as much as I love sunshine and rainbows because I do kind of live in a sunshine and rainbow world sometimes. I, we have to look at the reality. You know, I don't, even in my own business, I don't make money and then go spend every dollar of it. I have a lot of money in reserves because, or I have access to a lot of money. If something happens to the economy and people all of a sudden decide they don't want to do the infinite banking concept, right? Mm -hmm. Now, my income's going to go down. And so I am always, always looking at those things. Mm-hmm. Mary Jo, I, as you're talking about those things, I think people are thinking then, okay, so, so, you know, what do I do? Because there's some desire to take advantage of the market of where we're at. How do we do that without getting ourselves in a bind in this? And I think people sometimes maybe feel a little bit helpless because the only thing they do know to do is do what they've always done before. And that is you have a profit you and your accountant says you need to spend some money. So you go spend money and that's kind of what they do. So what's the direction that we need to be looking at then encounter to that that is productive down the road? First of all, if you're going to buy pears, 
or if you're going to buy bread heifers right now, I remember in 13, I sat in the sale barn and I had a little table set up with my book, Farming Without the Bank, and everybody walked by me and laughed. I don't even know that I sold more than two or three books that day at the sale barn because they were paying, I remember one bread heifer, $3,100 for a bread heifer. Yeah. Like all I could do is think, how many calves do you need to pay for her? Like that's insane. And then of course the market drops right away. And so why are we even buying cattle at that price right now? Like I look at a lot of operations that I'm working with. I'm like, sell, sell them all right now and buy back when it's lower. And even if you do the, the people that I have right now making money in the cattle market, they're either selling their pairs and selling what they have, or they're calling cows, right? They're calling their mm-hmm. bad ones and they're just going to save their good ones, which is fantastic. Run some yearlings on your place. You just, because you own the land doesn't mean you have to own the cattle as well. And I've said that multiple times too. You do not need to, if I see somebody with a cattle note and a land note, it's a recipe for disaster. And not everybody agrees with that either, but I see people's numbers. And when the cattle market falls, if we bought, let's say that we bought ground today because cattle prices are high and we know we the cattle can make the land payment and the cattle payment. Mm-hmm. Well, what happens when cattle comes down? The land payment doesn't go down. And so now all of a sudden we have to decide, are we paying for the cows or are we paying for the land? We're going to town and the off the farm job is paying for the land. Something is paying for it there. So we're not necessarily making that profit. And so if we have to run yearlings so that somebody else can pay for our land, then run yearlings until you have the land, a decent amount of money stocked up or whatever, and slowly make that transition to owning those cows or do some sell by. Mm-hmm. I have some clients right now that are doing sell by marketing and they're not, they're thinking about not even doing direct to consumer anymore. And they have a successful direct to consumer business. They're like, we're making more money doing sell by and they're buying low and selling high. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. If we have pairs, what we should still be buying low and selling high. You don't go to the stock market and buy high and sell low. All you, all cattle are is the different stock market. It is this, it is that buying low and selling high is the same no matter where we go. So if you're somebody just trying to get into the cattle market right now, why are you getting in now? Wait until this thing falls, then you can get in and then you don't need to own the land either. Go rent some land or run them on somebody else's place or whatever but we have to get over this thought process that we need everything and we need to own everything because it's, if we're going to sell today and we're going to have this profit, hang on to the profit Mm -hmm. because next year you can use that profit for feed. Hey, right. You can Mm -hmm. use a profit for whatever it is you want to use it for. It's one less reason to have to go to the bank. Mm -hmm. But if we have profit and we go see the accountant and he says, go buy something, so we can avoid taxes, then all of a sudden, all of our money went to the thing. And now we don't have the money for hay. And we go back to the bank and use the operating note at nine or 10% to buy hay, to pay for vet bills, you know, whatever it is that we need. Really? 
we could have just used our own money and saved nine to 10 percent on it. Mm -hmm. Mary Jo, let's take a break here. When we come back, I'm going to counter a little bit of what you were just talking about with what I think somebody would be thinking from a rancher's perspective. Uh, A lot of it in regards to the fact that we do hear the economists saying that this market's going to be good for a few years. So how do we adapt to that? Uh, We're going to talk about that, folks. My guest today is Mary Jo Ehrman. She wrote the book Farming Without the Bank. And uh, we're going to be back with her as we talk about just where we're at financially in the ranching industry and how can we, we can be smart with what we're doing here as we make our way through this for the next few years. We'll be back on the Working Ranch Radio Show after this. Animal health is key to your business, so how do you track cattle health treatments? Stop relying on pen and paper or complicated programs. Performance Beef helps you record processing data, enter costs, and track animal health history, all in real time at the shoot. The mobile app also makes it easy to log pasture and pen treatments on the go. Your health data is integrated with feed and financial information in one easy-to-use platform, accessible from your computer, smartphone, or tablet. Find Performance Beef online to request a demo. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. Justin Mills with you. My guest today, Mary Jo Ehrman, farm and ranch strategist and expert in the IBC, which stands for Infinite Banking Concept. If you want to know what that's about, go back and listen to episode 70 here on the Working Ranch Radio Show, where we talked a little bit about that. And uh, But we're talking here today just in, in, just in general, where we're at in our ranching industry from a financial situation. We identified in the previous segment just what's going on. I mean, we know that interest rates, operating notes are are higher than they've been in many years. Uh, But at the same time, we also see cattle prices higher and it creates a different environment than for a lot of us has been in, in the last probably three to four years, two to three, four years or so out. Mary Jo, as we were talking about in the last segment, just going through this a little bit. And as, as folks were listening to that, one of the things is you said, you know, we're at a high market. Why are we buying? Why are we buying in a high market? We should be selling stuff off in a, in a high market. But at the same time, one of the things that people are, you know, are hearing is that, well, supply and demand numbers indicate that this market's going to have sustainability for a few years. How do we address that? So if they're going to, if it's going to stay high for two to three years, and my question is, are you going to have enough calves out of those cows in the next two to three years to pay for them? Right. So you only have two to three years to pay that cow back before that calf no longer can pay for her. And so if you can, if the numbers make sense and you know we're going to be high two to three years, then absolutely buy it. Mm -hmm. But if we don't, if we have to have five years worth of calves out of her to make sure that she's paid for and we have the profit to pay for all the expenses on the farm, then you still shouldn't be buying. I don't, is it, you might need, you might need that. If we take a note on a cow, those cattle notes are typically five to seven years. Yep, yep. You need, in my opinion, you're gonna need a seven year high in mm-hmm. order to make sure that you, cause you have a payment on her for seven years. Yep, yep. So I would want to make sure that I have, I bought her at a reasonable price So even when cattle prices drop, if calf prices drop and we can still make her payment at the lowest calf price, then great, go ahead and buy her. But you have to know the number. Yeah, you nailed something dead on. I've had many conversations with people and even justified in my own mind 
going through these numbers of why I haven't purchased young cows. Uh, now I've bought old cows because they're at the lower of their value and, and a, an old cow's calf is not going to be a whole lot different than a two and three year old cow's calf per se, you know, in general from a commodity standpoint. And so, but that's exactly right is the fact that a lot of them are five to seven year notes. You go and you spend $3,000, whatever that may be on a bred two or three year old, and you got seven years to pay that off. And then you need to figure in attrition rates and the fact that you're going to have a coal rate every year. And by the time, and I would venture to say in seven years, uh, let's say you started with a hundred head of cows. How many of those cows will you have in seven years? That's having to finance that note that you, you hit it dead on. That's exactly something that I've, I've had that discussion with many people before. And I have, this is another one that gets me is I'm going to buy those cows on a line of credit. Mm. Yeah. You know how many people I see buying cows on a line of credit and then the banker says, oh, well, we'll just, you know, that's just how we do it here. Okay, that's how we do it here. And then three years later, we still have this rolling line of credit. And now that line of credit's at 10%. I mean, how are you buying them? What is the interest rate on the cows? How, are there, what's the open? Have you figured your open rates? Have you figured calves dying, like all of those things come into play. And most people that I talk to, I don't know that I've ever talked to anybody that shot for the stars, right? They all are figuring it based on some sort of a low cattle price. But did we figure the low cattle price, the high hay prices? Yeah. Do we figure the vet bills in there? Did we figure our cost of living? I saw something the other day that somebody has been tracking went back six years and looked at their receipts. And the only thing that's gone up is food. Movies haven't gone up. Concerts haven't gone up. Like all our extracurriculars haven't gone up, but our food has gone up, Yeah, right? That your feed has gone up. Every, all of those necessities go up. And so that cow not only needs to pay that note, but it needs to pay for your cost of living because are you figuring the cost of living into your break-even expenses. If you want the ranch to pay for you to live and not have to work off the farm, then that those that cost of living is an expense on the books. Mm -hmm. And so it is just, we're not looking out far enough. If cattle prices are gonna stay high, you know, before the break you asked, well, what if, what if cattle prices stay high for the next three years? Great, then you have three years of profit. Can you imagine at year four, you might be in a position where you don't have to borrow money to pay for hay because you haven't avoided taxes. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's get to another point there. I was actually going to go with another question here and back to some, some costs of knowing our break evens, but I want to hit that real quick. And you said not spending something just because your accountant says, well, you got extra money. You need to go buy this. That's a real scary thing to start getting into that. But honestly, Mary Jo, I, I think it's a way of thinking within our industry and probably other business industries have the similar management mindset as well, that when they have a great year, for us this year, we're selling calves for higher than we have in some time that we have a little bit more money on hand that we need to go buy something. We need to go buy that new pickup. Mm -hmm. and, yeah, and what's that pickup? That pickup producing any kind of cash flow? No. I have people that will go buy more cattle. That's great because they're going to produce cash flow, hopefully, but you better know if they're going to produce cash yeah. flow. Yeah. Right. I mean, that it's a cash flowing asset essentially, but you better make sure it's going to produce something. And so 
this is, I learned all this the hard way. So I would, I went and bought something. The first time I really made money, I was like, oh, I'm going to go get a new vehicle. Right. Yeah. And so I got a new vehicle and I actually looked at my tax return and I was like, what? That's all I saved by buying that new vehicle. And I called the accountants. And I said, I thought I got to write the whole thing off. He's like, well, you do, you get to depreciate it, but you only depreciate what your tax bracket is. I mean, I wasn't even in a good enough tax bracket, right? To even be buying a vehicle. I don't know. It was like 20% or something. And I'm like, well, that's ridiculous. So I actually only saved 20% of the purchase value of that vehicle. And I was so mad because I thought, first of all, you should have explained that because most people do not understand how that works. Mm -hmm. And secondly, I could have used, because I paid for the vehicle, right? I paid cash for the vehicle. I could have had that money to use as a down payment on a rental property, or I could have used that to rent more ground, or mm -hmm. I could have used that to whatever. I don't care if you want to buy more cattle with it, but the highest rate right now is our operating note. So it would just make sense to get rid of operating because that is where the bank really has us. If they, if we don't have money for operating, they can tell us, nope, I'm not going to lend you money for operating. Your numbers don't look good enough and we aren't feeding our cows. Mm -hmm. If we can just save that process for three years and move it into a say, I don't care if you don't do IBC, move it into a savings account. And when you use that money from savings to operate for the year, that money goes back into savings at 10% because that's what you were willing to pay the bank for that money. Mm -hmm. And so then the next year you have it again. You're never going to get operating money built up without using the profit from the year to use that money for next year. Mm -hmm. We have to save that to get it there. And if we have three years of what we're looking at as high prices, oh my gosh, you guys should all be saving that money and using it for operating next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Interesting here. It's, I know a lot of folks are probably go, just their, their minds are going through that and they're thinking, boy, this, this just doesn't, this doesn't compute with what we've normally done. Right. Because <laughs> the accountant says, go spend 50,000 to save 10. That's just an example that I use that in with the cal, cause I have an IRS calculator. And so with that calculator, if you spend 50,000, you'll save 10. But then you have to go buy something for $50,000. That means you have to go to the bank. If they charge you 5% on a seven-year note, you just spent $10,000 in interest-ish. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Well, you didn't save anything because you just, instead of giving the IRS the 10 grand, you just gave it to the bank in interest. Mm -hmm. So you really get to decide, do I pay the taxes on it or do I pay the bank? Here's where the problem arise, Justin, is most people don't have the 10 grand to pay the IRS. Yeah. So they go to the bank to borrow money to pay, to buy something, to decrease it. Well, you still paid the IRS, essentially, you just paid it to the bank and you did it over seven years. Yeah. Then you put yourself... And on the struggle bus for seven years, figuring out where that money is going to come from to make the bank payment. Mm -hmm. Right. So I have some clients that have done an amazing job 
Not only have they done infinite banking and ranching for profit, but they also implemented Profit First. Are you mm-hmm. familiar with the Profit First book? Uh-uh, no. Uh-uh. So the Profit First book, has, has take is you bring in profit, you pay yourself, you, you pay yourself, and then you pay your taxes, and then what's ever left, you can use as expenses. Okay. And so what they have done is they sell their calves, and then they pay themselves their payroll, they pay their taxes, they pay for their living expenses, and then they will use the rest for expenses. Okay. Mm-hmm. So their operation is only growing based on what they have left. What's for left expenses. over. Yep. Mm-hmm. But guess what? They always have money for taxes now. Yeah. She said, we have never been able to pay our taxes because we've never had the money. It's because when we sell our calves, we give it all to the bank. And if we have any extra, like now we might have some extra, we're going to pay down some extra notes. Oh, for the love of Pete, please do not be paying down extra notes. So they're going to pay down these notes and get these notes paid for faster. But then it comes time to pay taxes and we don't have money for taxes because we've put them on extra notes or we've just spent it Mm -hmm. for whatever reason. And so now we do have to go buy something. Put your tax money aside immediately. Mm -hmm. And you have the taxes. You don't have to worry about going to buy something to avoid taxes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's take a break here. We still have one more segment here and we're going to get into a little bit more here. My guest today, folks, is Mary Jo Ehrman. She is the author of the book, Farming Without the Bank. We're talking just dynamics of our financial picture that we see here in the ranching industry right now. We've got more with Mary Jo when we return on the Working Ranch Radio Show. There are lots of nutrition tubs out there, but none can match the true blue commitment of Vitalix. Our tubs offer you the most concentrated nutrition at the lowest cost per day. That means more profit for your operation and improved performance for your cow herd. In fact, research shows Vitalix tubs increase feed efficiency by 20% while boosting conception rates, herd health, and weaning weights. Learn more at Vitalix.com. Vitalix, the true blue tub. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. Justin Mills with you. My guest today, Mary Jo Ehrman, who wrote the book, Farming Without the Bank, also a farm and ranch strategist, expert. Uh, IBC, which is Infinite Banking Concept. If you're not familiar with that, either go to her website at farmingwithoutthebank.com or you can also go and listen to our episode 70 where I discussed this with her. I'd do both if I were you, just to get a little bit more knowledge on it all. But Mary Jo, we've had a lot of dis- great discussion here today. And I think one of the things... I don't want to be negative. And I think that's your case too. I mean, you're not a negative person uh, by nature. I know that. But at the same time, as I was said in in the previous segment of some sort, I said, I just don't want to see guys go under. I, I just, that's a real big thing to me. I, I hate to see the family farms and ranches just going down the road because of just not managing their finances correctly. And that's really what this stems. I want to see these family ranches. I want to see kids growing up on ranches and having that experience. I want that is really bad, which is why this is what's driving this. And I think from your perspective, you deal with a lot of farmers and ranchers yourself and you want that as well. And so folks, as you're listening to this, please don't get the wrong impression that we're just here trying to rain on the parade. That's not the point by any means. We just want to make it through this thing and, and have you know, have these farms and ranches down the road. Mary Jo, as, as we were talking, very first segment, I just went right away with talking about break-evens and then how that was an important thing. If we don't know that, 
then that really is setting us up for failure in this. And I want to go a little bit further than that, because as I was listening to that, one of the things that I've talked about here, I've had Dallas Mount on with Ranch Management Consultants about gross margins and knowing your gross margins. I think that's a step in this because gross margins is knowing what enterprises are working or not in your operation. And I think that's a real key part of this. When you, As we were talking about whether to buy cows, what, what class of cows to buy, things like that, we really need to start there. You know, what enterprises are working and aren't working based upon a five to seven year cycle, correct? Correct. Yep. hundred percent. Because if you don't know, how do you run a business if they don't know? I mean, Walmart got big because they know what people want and they know their numbers. Any large farmer or rancher, I can tell you, yes, they have loans, but those that I work with, they know their numbers. They can come to me with a profit and loss statement. They have a balance sheet. They know their numbers. And so they're not struggling as hard because they know what that break even is. And so if you don't have a profit and loss statement, if you're not keeping your books, the first thing you need to do is go hire an account, a bookkeeper, not necessarily an accountant, a bookkeeper mm-hmm. and give her everything mm-hmm. for so, him. I want to go back and, and address one thing you said, and that was some of our extra profits, not paying off other notes. And let's get a little deeper in that, because I think that was something in my mind. I'm re- I'm thinking, OK, if, if I have if I have some extra money, I want to get rid of as you and I were talking before we went on air, I told you I had bought some uh, heifers when they were really high and all they did from that point on in their life was decrease in value. So I had to amortize that note out to a 10-year note and I'm still paying that off. And in my mind, I want to get that thing out. I want to get it gone. You had made a comment about not necessarily paying off some of those notes. Let's put that into a bit of context because I wouldn't say you'd, you'd just be hardlined on that. I'm sure there's a, let's, let's quantify that or qualify that statement just a little bit if we can. Yeah. So can I ask what your interest rate is on that note? It's a lot lower than my operating note. Okay. Um, so therefore I wouldn't pay it off because a year, it's going to make you feel good to have that note paid off mm-hmm. because those heifers haven't paid for themselves, right? Or they're probably gone already. Mm-hmm. The yeah. They're, they're not even and here. So, yeah. So it would it would make you feel good. However, let's just say that you still owe $20,000 on them. So if you give that $20,000 and you pay that note off, now you need $20,000 next year. If you want to either buy more cows or you need to buy hay or whatever, that comes at a 10% operating note. Yep. And so why are we paying off a 5 or 6% note yep. when we know we're going to have to go back and get 10 so, so many, I'm seeing that right now with the ranchers. So many people are selling calves and then they want to pay down. Now, if you want to pay off a note, that's a little different story. I should clarify that. You want to pay it off. Now you freed up that payment every year. Yeah. But if we're just going to pay down a note, like, oh, maybe we don't have enough to pay it off. But then we got rid of all of our liquid money. Mm-hmm. And we might need that liquid money for an opportunity. And so don't be paying down land when land notes are going to probably be at four and a half, five percent, use that money for operatings because that's going to be a higher note. And you're going to get questioned on that more before a land note, right? The bank's going to give you a land note probably before they'd give you an operating note or notes for goats or horses (laughs) or whatever. (laughs) Uh 
All right. We're kind of running out on time here. So I want to go to one final point. And I wrote this down in my notes after I listened to your podcast. You made a little bit of a comment just a bit ago about this. And I think it's one of these things as we look at, at these next few years. And it's this. Do things a little slower. That was something I pulled out of your podcast. You just made a comment about that as well. Expand on that. We don't have to grow our operation so fast that we get into financial trouble. We all want to go in and borrow money for land and borrow money for cattle and borrow money for equipment. And we all think we need everything. Do we really? Can we grow a little bit slower and not have the financial strain and get caught with our pants down? essentially, right? Because we're buying so fast and we want to compete with the neighbors and we want to get big that we try to do it quickly and we could end up losing everything. Slow. There's nothing wrong with being the turtle. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, Mary Jo, I appreciate you taking the time. Folks, we had a good discussion before we even hit the record button. We enjoy talking with each other just in general. Uh, She does have a podcast. Mary Jo does have a podcast. I encourage you to go to her website at farmingwithoutthebank.com is the website. You can uh, get to her uh, weekly podcast that she kicks out. And uh, before we head out, Mary Jo, just some final comments from you. Be smart. Just be smart and prepare in the good years for the down years. Save some of that money. Look forward five to seven years. You are the one I always say, You know, people will say, well, the banker told me I could buy it. The accountant told me I should buy it. I'm like, but who wrote the check? If you don't know your numbers, then you shouldn't be writing the check and you shouldn't let somebody else run your operation. Know your numbers and be smart about it. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Very good final words there. And it's a perfect time of the year. As you were saying earlier, a lot of cattle being moved, a lot of checks hitting the banks. And at the same time, we should be also in our books and getting 2024 and maybe early 25 started to projections out there. So Mary Jo, thanks for joining us here today on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Thanks for having me. You bet. And folks, if you do want to reach out and get a hold of Mary Jo about some of the things we talked about here today or get her perspective or visit with her about Uh, some of the things that she provides for ranchers. You can go to their website and find all the contact information at farmingwithoutthebank.com. Of course, we talked about the infinite banking concept back on episode 70. You can go back and listen to that, read about it on her website. She does have that podcast every week as well. A lot of information there. Please feel free to reach out to her should you have any questions. Just one little disclaimer I want to mention, and that was in the second segment, we were talking a little bit about the cattle, this next cattle cycle or the number of years that it could be good. And we were specifically saying two to three years. And I know for some of you, you're probably thinking, well, it's actually going to be all indications are that it's going to be longer than that. And I'll grant it that. I, I think there's definitely indications that this up cycle could be longer than what we typically had seen in previous cattle cycles. But I think if you're going to get hung up on that, I think you kind of missed the point of that segment or that part of that segment that we were talking about. And specifically, it was if you're going to make an investment in uh, in cattle, such as the example that we were using there, is knowing that the, the cattle cycle will hold long enough to support the term of that note. That is essentially the point there. And I think it's something to, to be aware of in, in any case that if you're going to make a, an investment in something based upon where the markets are at now, will it hold through the term of that note. So I just wanted to make that point there because I know if you heard that, you're probably thinking, wow, he, you know, he really hasn't been listening to what 
some of the market indicators are saying that this cycle could be longer than a normal two to three that we have seen in previous cycles. So I just want to point that out. This is definitely a show that uh, you need to go back and probably listen to again because there's a lot of things we talked about. And uh, as I had mentioned when we started this segment, not to be negative, by no means is that the point. It's really, I think it's just more importantly that we are smart as we're going through this cattle cycle and strategic in what we're doing so that when we go through it and then we have to hit that time when there could be a drought situation, we have to buy hay or we have other expense items that we hadn't planned for, we are able to make it through without having to sell the farm and the ranch off. And that really is one of my ultimate goals because I just believe in the family ranch and I think it's something that we want to continue to perpetuate. When we talk about sustainability in ranching, I don't just necessarily mean in terms of how we're running and operating our land and our resources, but also in keeping our family ranches able to pass down to the next generation. So stay with us. When we come back, we're going to get with meteorologist Don Day as we take a look at our long-term weather. We'll be back on the Working Ranch Radio Show after this. Do you have a young child, grandchild, niece, or nephew that loves the weather and wants to learn more? Dayweather has produced a children's weather journal full of weather facts, fun weather experiments, coloring pages, and pages to record weather observations for every season of the year. The weather journal is for ages 3 to 7 and designed to be fun and educational. The interactive weather projects are fun for the whole family to take part in. For only $10, the Dayweather weather journal is a great gift idea for any occasion. Click on our Amazon link to order at dayweather.com. Every year you pick your replacement heifers. Some become profitable cows, others disappoint. How can you make more reliable selections? Genetic testing. Commercial cow-calf producers like you are using Inherit Select from Zoetis. You gain valuable predictions, including cow fertility, size and soundness, feed efficiency, growth and carcass merit, as well as easy-to-use economic indexes. This improves your selection, breeding, and marketing decisions. Request a call from InheritProgress.com and ask about free TSUs to get you started. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. Justin Mills, as we're joined now by meteorologist Don Day with a look at our long-term weathers. Before we went on air, I was quizzing him out a little bit because we're going to be weaning, or we were planning to wean calves here this coming week, but uh, it looks like that we're going to see some moisture through the tail end of this week for our neck of the woods. But as we look into the next seven, five to seven days out, Don, what are you seeing develop across the country? Well, certainly we are seeing some big changes taking place that are indications that the, the, the fall season is getting more upon us. Uh, as we have talked in the last couple of weeks, mm-hmm. it's been a pretty decent fall, really, across most of the lower 48 states. But I think we're going to be witnessing the coldest air of the season leaving northwest Canada, and it's going to affect a large part of the country. Some of the coldest air of the season, especially the last, let's say, five six days of October into early November, as we'll see a release of some cold air out of the Northwest Territories of Canada, heading southeast to do first the Pacific Northwest, then spreading south and east across the rest of the nation after that. And as you and I were talking, other than that, I mean, we're, we see this colder temperatures, but it's not like there's anything real significant. It's just we're getting deeper and deeper into fall and closing closer to winter. So we're just kind of seeing what should be typically happening this time of the year. Yeah, that is certainly the case. The one thing we haven't had this fall season is 
a system is as large as this one and as cold as this one. So it's going to be the first one where I think seeing some snow across parts of the northern plains uh, is going to be something to watch out for. I think uh, Alberta, southern Saskatchewan is going to get a pretty good taste of winter. And we're also going to see um, the, this colder air get all the way to the Gulf Coast. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be nothing earth shattering, but it's going to be, I guess, call it eye opening to a lot of folks who have had a pretty mild fall so far. It'll be um, a reminder that we're about ready to head to the 11th month of the year. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you kind of answered my question there because I was, that was where I was leading to next is how far south is this going to head? What kind of moisture? I know in our area, it's calling for some potential, maybe the first real snow that we've seen on the lower elevations. When I say lower elevations, uh, around 38 to 4,200 feet, uh, higher elevations have definitely already seen that snow. But for us, this is kind of that first one. How much moisture is going to be involved with that? Because I know that's from from a livestock perspective, as you and I were talking before we went on air, the cold I can kind of handle is when you add cold with moisture combined. That's what makes us a little bit nervous from the livestock side of things. So how much moisture is going to be involved in this one coming in? There'll be a good amount of moisture because usually when you have the first real cold system of the year, the contrast of air masses squeezes out that available moisture. So what will start is rain and then turning to snow. Um, could be fairly significant. There's also another wrinkle uh, is that we're going to have the remains of what is now Hurricane Norma get pushed northeast across Mexico and may end up bringing some rain out across parts of the southern plains ahead of this cold front. So we could get quite wet across Hmm. parts of Texas, Oklahoma, eastern Kansas, into the northwest Corn Belt. There could be a good area of rain there. And then from the Pacific Northwest, Southwest Canada and into the central northern Rockies, that area of rain and snow could spread out across the Dakotas as we get into the uh, the, the latter end of this storm system. Um, and, and that could get down into some pretty low elevation. Um, you know, terrain, you know, where the, where the track of the system is, ends up going will dictate where the heaviest snow is going to be. Mm-hmm. And we're a little bit too far out to pinpoint that. But I certainly see the first low elevation snow of the season getting pretty far out into the central and northern high plains with this one. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's uh, that's why we do this, kind of give everybody a heads up. So I appreciate you joining us. Uh, I know you're on the road here today, headed out into Nebraska. Appreciate you taking the time to join us and safe drives as you continue on your trip. Thank you, sir. All right. We'll talk to you later. And again, that is meteorologist Don Day with a look at our long-term weather. You can follow along with him each and every morning through his daily video podcast at dayweather.com. Well, stay with us. We'll put a wrap on this week's show when we return on the Working Ranch Radio Show. A sustainable ranch is one that can do more with less. And for beef producers, it can start right at the herd level with a cow that's efficient with her resources and environment. And in today's modern industry, Gelvy females are the picture of sustainability. Gelvy and Balancer cattle are early maturing with maternal superiority through increased longevity, added fertility, and more pounds of calf wean per cow exposed. Adaptable, versatile, and sustainable. All factors that have a positive impact impact on your bottom line. Gelvy influenced females, the smart, reliable, and profitable maternal choice for achieving sustainability in today's modern beef industry. Be sustainable, breed Gelvy. 
Well, if this is your first time catching the Working Ranch Radio Show, first of all, I want to say thank you for joining us. Hope you appreciate and like the program. And if you want to hear more shows that we've had previously, you can go to our podcast site at workingranchradio.com and you can download any show. You can share them, do whatever you want to. Also, you know, it's also helpful for us. If you like what you heard or you have a comment about that, let us know through the comments or the thumbs thumbs up or however that may be on the different providers out there. It's always helpful for us. Uh, we've been doing this show uh, since I've been host of the show since 2020. This is 140 episodes that we've already had so far. And we have over 300, uh, 325,000 downloads on this show so far to date. So uh, it is one of the shows out there that I believe a lot of ranchers are tuning into and listening to, partly because uh, myself, I'm a rancher. So a lot of these topics that we cover are topics that I have questions about or I'm wondering about. And I, and I, under, and I would believe that many other ranchers across the country, across North America, probably have similar questions. There are topics that I think have life beyond just the week of the show and tackle issues that people may be uh, addressing at different times in their lives or their management elements that they're dealing with on their own farm and ranch operations. So uh, that's kind of how we how we do things here and appreciate you joining us. And again, if you have any questions, don't be hesitant at all. You can send me an email. My email is justin.workingranch at gmail.com or you can also send me a text at 307-363-COWS. It's 307-363-COWS. Well, before we head out here today, I do want to thank our sponsors one more time. Vitalix, livestock is your livelihood. Tubs are our expertise. Vitalix, the true blue tub. Find out more at vitalix.com. And Performance Beef, cattle management software that's easy to use. Find out more about Performance Beef at performancelivestockanalytics.com. And Tank Toad, your remote water monitoring system, all from the convenience of your phone. Give them a call at 801-252-6135 or on their website at tanktoad.com. Well, the Working Ranch Radio Show is a production of Working Ranch Magazine. And if you were listening in at the front end of the show, you know the captain usually stops in for his two cents. But this week, uh, he's on break, rightly deserved, because he's been working hard on that next issue that will be coming out of Working Ranch Magazine. And if you are not a regular subscriber and want to get started, you can do that by going to workingranchmag.com and get your subscription started here today. Be sure to tune in next week, same time, same place, or on your favorite podcast provider. I'm Justin Mills, and until next time, keep your chin down and your mind in the middle. So long. So long.